Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. Welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm super excited that you're here. Every week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, you're listening to episode number 88, and today's guest is a friend of mine from my very short-lived career in radio, Amy from The Bobby Bones Show. Today, Amy and I chat about our careers, adoption, and dealing with death. I was greatly inspired by her willingness to share about her mom's journey with cancer, Um, And then when she passed away, and I know that you're going to be inspired um, by her vulnerability that she brought to us as well. Before we get to Amy, whether this is your first time to listen to the happy hour, and if it is, I say welcome to the happy hour, or it's your millionth time to listen to the show, and I say to you, welcome back, I want to make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, because if you aren't subscribed, you're just going to be missing out on all the fun. For instance, this Friday, I've got a happy half hour coming out with Jessica Turner, and if you aren't subscribed, you would miss it. So to prevent such calamity in your life, just go to jamieiv.com slash iTunes and hit subscribe. It is really super, super easy. Um, or you could just go to your, however you listen to podcasts, whether that is on iTunes or on Stitcher, however it is, and just search the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy on your podcast app and you're going to see all the past 87 episodes. All right, guys, here is my conversation with my friend Amy. Um, hey, Amy, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, hey, so excited to be here. <laughs> this is so fun because we were just talking just now, but we've been trying to do this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, this is just how life works. Like I always have guests that we've had, like this morning, someone can do a show because her kid was vomiting all night. You know, it's life. It's what happens, yes. right? So totally. I'm so glad that you are here on the show. Um, okay, so for those of the don't know you, Amy, you are a co-host Hi. on The Bobby Bones Show. I am, yes. Which a couple is... of years ago, that would have just been like people in Austin that would knew about that. Um, what yeah. happened to your world? Oh, my world. Got a little crazy. Um, yeah. Well, I've been with Bobby now 10 years, which is crazy. That's crazy, so, too. Yeah. Um, so I would say, when did I meet you, probably? When were you working at KVET? Um, I, okay, so I worked there five years ago. Okay, five years. Okay. Five so, years ago. And I think we met in the break room like one morning. Yeah. Or like in the hall. I mean, of course I knew all about you. But, yeah. And uh, I was just this nervous little Nancy that was like a fish out of water, like floundering. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, that was me my first day. And honestly, that's still me some days, especially now with our recent move to Nashville. But we've already been in Nashville three years. That's so crazy too. That it's insane. Um you know, but day one to now, I just honestly pretend like I'm talking to about three to five people and I just like to keep it that way because if I start to think about the how numbers many people are listening, I get I, I I don't even know that I would be able to share half the things that I do because Oh yeah. You know. 
people are so nice online sometimes when they reach out to you. So uh-huh. um, I'd rather avoid the judgment. So it's right. better to just sometimes keep your mouth shut. But um, if I pretend I'm just talking to like my friends, then I don't great. care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I, I've shared the story with you before, how I started working on the radio and Amy was working at a station and our stations were at the same place. And so that's how we met. And then you guys moved to Nashville and went, what do you call that? When you go, uh, country? No. Yeah. Y'all did go country, <laughs> but when you went to like lots of stations. Yeah. Well, when we were syndicated, pop, is that what I'm trying to syndic- say? Yes. Okay, yes. Nationally syndicated. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When we were pop in Austin where you were, we probably maxed out at like maybe 20, 20 cities. Um, oh, I didn't know y'all were syndicated there. Yeah, we were. Wow. Uh, look at me learning something new. Yeah. It didn't really feel, I mean, it was small markets. It was still great, a learning experience, but we kind of had reached our max mm-hmm. because you had the pop market was saturated with other talent. Yeah. And our company was like, you know what? We have so many country stations. We don't have a main talent. Like if y'all go country, you could, you could grow, 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 grow. And I mean, ultimately it would have been silly to say no. Plus sure. I love country music and it's not like the decision was solely up to me. Obviously it was up to Bobby. Um, but we all decided to go and then now we're in like, I don't know, like How 90 many? something, 90, I, I don't, 90, I'm just going to say 90. It could okay. be 95. So you pretend you're talking to three to five girlfriends. How many people are you actually talking to? Do you even know a number? Oh, I know it's in the millions. That's crazy, Amy. <laughs> I mean, in the per per week, I guess they yeah. give a, a range, uh-huh. but but again, I it, it <laughs> even feels weird saying that because it's like, who? <laughs> what are we even saying that people would even uh, tune into? But at the same time, they could just be listening to the music, or they could like a certain segment, or they could. Whatever. Just, y'all are awesome. I love listening to y'all. I'm not in my car that much anymore since we moved because there's a bus system out here. Praise God. And um, so I'm not in my car as much in the morning, but I always listen to you guys. You crack me up. Oh, well, good. And I told you that I ran into Bobby in the airport in Nashville, like last yeah. fall. And he totally remembered who I was. Of course. Which was weird to me. No, we talk about you all the time. I promise. I'm not just saying that. Did I, I prom- ever tell you how he said one of the nicest things to me when I left the radio station? Did I ever tell you this? No. What do you say? Okay. So. I've told the story before, but in a, in a nutshell, I like started working on the radio like Amy does. And I was there for like four months and my family was dying. And so like I stepped down. So it was like this really hard decision. Cause I really loved it. All of a sudden I'm thinking, I love this job. This is amazing. I can't believe people get paid to do this. And then I had to leave on my very last day. No lie. Very last day. I'm walking to my car and it's like, Oh, womp, womp, here we go. You know, career's over four months. That was awesome. Right. Way, and, to go. way to go, Jamie. So I'm walking to my car and Bobby pulls up. And he was like, hey, and we'd never spoken before, ever. And he was like, hey, I just wanted to tell you that, like, you're doing a, you did a really great job and you're really good at this. And I was like, you know, it was like, it was, I'll never forget it because I loved that job. And then someone that has success in it and does really well says it to you. It means a lot. So I still remember that. Well, and I'll just add to that by saying he's not going to just say that if he doesn't mean it. Like he's not, he just throw that around to people. Wow. Um, in the building, like, hey, hey, you're really good at your job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh. that's not, you know, an everyday thing for him. So that should, I I would remember that if I were you as well, because, I mean, look at you now. That experience led to you, you it ignited a passion. I don't know if you would have done a podcast before, but no, now. I would have never even you, known yeah. about it. Yeah. So now you're like out, you're like, okay, I got this. I can yeah. do it on my own time and be with my family and, you know. 
and be in my pajamas at exactly. in the afternoon. <laughs> so in the 10 years that you've been doing radio and you've been working with Bobby on the Bobby Bone Show, um, you have gotten married in that time, correct? Yes. Moved two or three times that I even know of. There might be more. Yes. And you're in the process of adopting your two kids from Haiti. Yes. That's a lot in 10 years, right? Yeah. Um, yes, for a sure. A lot. So started the show in Austin. I got married six months after starting the show. And, and I were was you dating leave. your husband? No, I started dating. Well, we started dating right when the show started, but I knew him. But of course, the show didn't know me that well. So they didn't know I had known this man, boy, guy, whatever, since I was like eight years old. So they made it seem like... So on air, they made it seem like I just met this random Air Force guy yeah. and... After six months of dating, we were getting married, yeah. which which is true in their eyes. And then I was going to have to leave the show because my husband was in the Air Force and uh -huh. he didn't live in Austin. So I needed to move where he was going to be. Well, then my husband and I decided because of his deployment schedule, it was best for me to live with my mom and finish out my contract, which would have been another year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um because it was, we felt like contractually it was the right thing to do. Plus, my husband was going to be gone a lot of that anyways. So why not? So why not? Especially moving me to a new city. I'd never lived outside of Texas. Like, right. I'd never been more than two hours away from my parents. Like, this was just, you know, and I get, I was like an adult, but still. Yeah, no, um, I get it. Yeah. It was just going to be a lot of change. So I finished out my contract. And at that point, I was going to leave the show because I was moving to North Carolina. And my husband was at Fort Bragg. And then at that point, Bobby... Um, offered or came to me and said, hey, we want you to stay on the show. You can do the show from your house in North Carolina. And I was like, heck yeah. Right. <laughs> so I did it from there for five years. That's so crazy. And then right when I moved back to Austin, pretty much we got the um, offer for Nashville. Mm -hmm. So it was this whole, like, I was so pumped to be back in Austin. And then, but then it was too good of an opportunity to pass up. Yeah. And then... So we did that. And then, yeah, through those different cities, well, I guess it was in North Carolina, We, my husband and I realized, like, okay, we're just not getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. So then we started to pursue adoption domestically. Mm -hmm. And then we moved back to Austin. And then in Austin, we started the process a little bit. We really didn't have much time. But then we moved again. Right. <laughs> Hello. So and if anybody's done this process, you know, with like home studies and, and jo also moving jobs, yeah. my husband got out of the Air Force, um, which if anybody is listening right now and they have a spouse that's been in the Air Force for 12 years and their whole life, they knew they were going to be a pilot since they were five years old. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a pilot in the Air Force. They went to, maybe they didn't go to the Air Force Academy, but in my husband's case, he did. Like mm -hmm. his, everything that he ever told himself he was going to do, he did. And he always planned on retiring. And then it just got to a point where it just wasn't working for us and he wasn't flying as much as he wanted to. Mm -hmm. And then he saw families falling apart, mm -hmm. um, which if there happens to be any people listening that happen to be leading yeah. <laughs> or the commanders of a unit where family is not coming first, like um, I would take a step back and look at that because yeah. I will say that um, I know my husband was a good, uh, what, an airman? I yeah. guess not soldier because he mm -hmm. was in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. But I know he was good at what he does and not because that ever came from him. I know because I saw how quickly he would move up in things. Mm -hmm. I saw different various uh, awards he received. And then I just heard from coworkers just 
how how awesome that he was. So I will say, and it's it's hard. It was hard for him to accept, but I know they lost. Like they lost a good one mm-hmm. because family was not coming first, and it was. I I can name every probably mm, eight out of ten people we were super close to in his unit are divorced now. Wow. Yeah. Um. All all have kids. Uh, and, and, and I could probably name more if I really mm-hmm. tried to, not even just in his unit, just mm-hmm. in others. Um, and so it was just one of those things where he came home one day and he was just like, you know what? I'm not flying. I want to, I want to fly. Why did I think I could, but the higher up you move, the less you fly. It's just the way it is. Yeah. But his dad was also, is a retired Colonel and mm-hmm. he obviously moved up in rank, but for whatever weird reason, he flew the entire time. So Ben had this my husband had he this thought dis- that's how it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, he had a distorted like yeah. vision. Like, I will never not be, be doing, flying. Yeah, not flying. So, anyway, he uh, he. We just ultimately ha- we made that decision for our family because we knew we were going to be adopting and or having kids, and mm-hmm. it just was it just was the right time. Uh, it it the doors are open. He had paid. You know, if you go to the Air Force Academy, you owe them a certain amount of years. Um, and so he had fulfilled his, his time and yeah. paid everybody back and we got out. And I, I would just say that that was probably one of the most challenging things that we've ever done as a couple, because I didn't realize, um, that he was parting with his entire mm-hmm. identity. I mean that, if you think about it, that mm-hmm. is a really hard thing. And people have to walk through that in yeah. lots of different areas. I mean, yes. I'm sure that you have had to deal with that in a separate level of, no one really goes into their parenting journey thinking, well, I don't know if people do or not, and I could be speaking out of turn here, but thinking that they might not be able to get pregnant. Right. And so I'm sure that there were even parts of that that you and Ben and then you in general that had to say, not that adoption is second, but just like, oh, I'm just going to lay down that desire or that thought that I would. I always thought I would just, you just think you'll get pregnant and have a baby, right? Yeah. I mean, duh. That's <laughs> right. I mean, my sister has four kids. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um you know, my, we know we got tested. We really have never been able to pinpoint the exact like fertility issue. So mm-hmm. it's so much easier sometimes just to be like, yeah, well, we haven't gotten pregnant. I mean, there, there's obviously some sort of fertility issue, but we, we had, when we were at Fort Bragg, one of the best military, uh, specialists in that field was there. And he had gotten basically everybody on base pregnant that couldn't get pregnant. Mm. And we just decided not to go that route. We started to research it mm-hmm. and we got all the tests done um, and then realized nothing was really wrong. We, we were going to pursue IVF. And then I read Adopted for Life, mm-hmm. um, which is a book I highly recommend if you're thinking about adoption. And I was on board immediately. And then my husband was still just not because he was he was more of the mindset of, no, I'd like to have our own kids first mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then maybe we can think about adoption. And then uh, I think chapter one of that book, he was bawling, crying. Mm. He probably doesn't want me saying this on a podcast. He is there like you go. A, a military man. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a manly man. And then, and he was like, I'm all in. I mean, it took like, I'm serious, like one or two chapters where he was like, I mean, God just kind of. Is totally- that the one by Dr. Moore? Um, yes. Um, okay. So y'all started it's down that path. And I think when I met you, for not in the break room, but like when we had, when we met for coffee and stuff, I think that you were back in Austin. Is that true? I don't remember if I was back in Austin or just visiting. Okay. And then 
And then we talked about domestic and then that didn't happen. And then you went towards ha- the, um, yeah, Haiti, Haiti. Yeah. Mm-hmm. which was crazy. Cause I, my husband and I, like I had gone to Africa. My husband's done missions all over the world. Um, since he was a kid, I mean, he's really been everywhere. He probably would have gone more if he wasn't in the military, but a lot of times he would consider some of his military travels, like kind of a little bit of exploring, just meeting different people and yeah, similar to maybe if you were traveling for mission work. Um, but uh, traveling has always been something we wanted to do. Africa was a little bit too far for my job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to go once for like two weeks and I fell in love obviously. And I desperately would love to go back. Um, but then we were on the missions committee at our church in North Carolina and we, our church was super involved with this, uh, this with Haiti mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. We, have different speakers that would come. I don't know. I just kept feeling like this draw to Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really knew what, what it meant or what we were supposed to do. And then I went down there for a trip, no, zero intention of adopting. I just mm-hmm. wanted to go. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't about the kids. It was, I went for a women's conference. It was more about just the women there and then helping out at this orphanage. And then after that, my husband kind of went. And then since then, we've gone back. I can't even tell you like a million times. But it was after my first trip and my husband's first trip that we both, there was this a little boy that was a little bit older we were drawn to. And now he wasn't old, as old as like an older child adoption, not a baby. Like all the babies are matched, uh, at least at my orphanage. It's, it's pretty common for all the newborns to be matched pretty quickly. And then as the kids get older, they're just, they're just not as. For sure, yeah. They're not as appealing to mm-hmm. certain people, which I get. It's fine. Um, but this uh, this little boy also had some cognitive uh, issues and just kept getting overlooked. And mm-hmm. I just – he really he really latched on to me and me not so much to him. And at that point, we were still pursuing domestic. But I came home and I could not stop thinking about this kid. Like, it just would not stop. And then we, we decided to – see what it would look like to pursue that, but it doesn't really work that way where you just, you don't like go to Haiti and like, right. your, it's just, that's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. So we, we just waited for some stuff to happen organically. And if it happened, it happened. If it didn't, it didn't, you know? Yeah. Um, and then it just started to really happen. And I was like, okay, here well, we then go. <laughs> I'm not going to say no to this, especially if, if, if nobody else is, is, going to be interested in him. And, and I even, I, throughout the beginning phases, I always had the mindset of, you know, if we are not meant to be his parents, I will just make sure that he is taken care of until he does find a home. And then once they do, like, I will just like love that that family has taken him, you know? Right. Yeah. And, uh, so it looks as though like he's ours. That's your, you're the family. (laughs) And then, but in the, about a year later, there was another girl that was older. She's about five turning six Mm -hmm. and not matched and didn't arrive to the orphanage to the orphanage, excuse me, until she was about four and a half. And so she's got some history there that again, some people just are not, Mm -hmm. I feel like though, as you know, the process is long enough to where even if you're matched with a newborn baby, you're likely not going to get the baby For unless sure. there's some sort of a medical reason until right. mm-hmm. they're maybe two, three, yeah, or three, four. four maybe. Yeah. Um, so, but even then, I get that there's still not as much as if you've got a child that arrived that had a life before the orphanage and then now is at an orphanage mm-hmm. and has all these things going on. Um, and I've even had some friends and mentors here in Nashville that have adopted from Haiti and older children. And they've just said, 
you know, everybody are just, they just always want to be very clear that like, it's not all like, oh, adoption, so sweet, can't mm-hmm. wait, all mm-hmm. roses. Like mm-hmm. you, this is real life stuff. Yeah. And they are dealing with things and have seen things and yeah. that are unimaginable yeah. to us at times. Mm-hmm. And so just to prepare myself for when they are here, and I'm sure, Jamie, you could probably for sure. attest yep. that. And I'm probably going on a rabbit trail here, but I'm just saying that I just really feel like to say uh-huh. other maybe considering it is that I know there's a long road ahead and especially with older children, but that if you think you can tackle it, then open your home up to that because these kids, even though they're older, like they still need a family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that is so true. And I love to hear even people that are going into the adoption process, acknowledge that and know that because we didn't like we went in very, um, love can conquer all kind of mentality. Um, and, Granted, like I, be- I believe that God cha- molds families and I believe that God changes and heals things. Um, but I also know that it's super hard and we went into that pretty blindly. And so even when I hear someone that's not even in the process or doesn't even have their kids home um, say that, I'm like, you are f- 75 steps ahead of where we were when we started. I wow. Mean, and okay. it's just, yeah. I mean, just acknowledging that we didn't, we were the first one of our friends that we knew in like real day-to-day life that had brought home kids internationally and that were a little older. You know, my son was four and a half when he came home, which is not necessarily older, but like you said, that's four and a half years of um, history and in his yeah. case, trauma, you know? And so yes. um, I, I I love that you were going into it looking that way. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. And all that kind of stuff. So you have two kids um, yes. in Haiti. 
Mm-hmm. A girl mm-hmm. and a boy. How old are they now? Yeah. Um, he's five, and she is turning nine on April 25th. Awesome. Okay, yeah. so almost her birthday. But as yes. when we're recording this, she already had it when it comes out. Okay, so I have a question for you about adoption and your kids in Haiti and all this. You know, Mother's Day just passed. Have there been years when Mother's Day has been um, hard for you? And how do you feel now about that? Um, I think – when we were in the stages of really trying to get pregnant, probably those stages where every month when you get your period, you cry, mm-hmm. um, that stage probably bothered me at church. Maybe sometimes when Mother's Day was very saturated with uh, acknowledging all the awesome mothers out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, churches really, though, and in the last few years, maybe it's just the ones I've been going to, have really done a good job of making sure that others don't feel left out because yeah. I'm sure it started to get brought to their attention. Like, Hey, there's, <laughs> this is a really hard day for me. Yeah. Out here that are going through this. And, um, so I think if I happen to be in a church service where maybe that was going on during those years, uh, then maybe I would feel it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, never particularly was it mother's day in general. I would say that's the only thing if it was like, I felt kind of just odd sitting in church, yeah. like with, like looking around at like all the moms mm-hmm. getting all these like awards for yeah. mom with those kids, mom yeah. with the, I don't, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and There's then, like no award and you wouldn't even want it for mom that's been trying the longest and right, doesn't have right. kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay. I remember um, sitting in, um, when we were waiting on our kids, like this, where you are right now, I remember mm-hmm. sitting in baby dedications and just like, I had to get up and leave one time because I was just... I was just, the weight got so hard for me that I was like, I don't even want to watch these kids celebrate their kids because mine are in Haiti. Like it was just, I it was really hard and that might've been a really ugly heart of mine, but it was a hard time, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I, yeah. And I get, and I think it's just sometimes, you know, we just may be going through a sensitive phase. There mm-hmm. may be some moments where something like that would never bother me. Yeah. And then the next day I may be crying a river. Yeah. I, you know, it just, it, it just depends. Like sometimes when people... On the show, sometimes it'll come up about how, uh, you know, if people are, uh, I don't know the right way to say it, fixed or not, like they're done having kids okay, and yeah, they uh-huh. vasectomy or their tubes tied, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say fixed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and sometimes I'll find myself getting really emotional about it, like, yeah. cause they're just so nonchalant about it. Like, oh gosh, no, I can't yeah. even handle another kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh gosh, so horrible, right. you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've thought that before, like people have... Um, like I've said before out loud, hopefully not on this recorded show where it can be listened to for years to come, but I've said out loud, um, oh my gosh, I would just die if I was pregnant. Um, and you know what? There's truth in that. I wouldn't die literally, but I have four kids and I'm 37 and our family feels complete, but there are so many women who would like give their left arm to be pregnant. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I will, I'll say that if you are feeling that way right now, that may pass because I, I remember wanting it so badly. Mm. And now at this point... Um, I kind of feel like, and I even tell my husband, I'm like, if I were to get pregnant right now, I sort of be a little mad. Like, I'd be like, are you for real right now? Like right now? <laughs> I- I'd be like, for real, for real. Like, right. I don't have time for this. Right. <laughs> I try- I'm trying to get, no, that'll mess up our paperwork. <laughs> we have to do a home study again. <laughs> like, I just, I literally would hide because we're in that window where I told my husband the other day, I said, if I were to randomly get pregnant right now, because we're in that window where the kids should be with us before I would ever deliver the baby, uh-huh. I would just hide my pregnancy. No one needs to know. Nobody needs to know. 
And then our home study lady would show up for a follow-up <laughs> visit, and I'd be like, I don't know where this baby came from. I didn't know. You know, you see it on TV. I didn't know I was pregnant. <laughs> right. I just was going to the bathroom and one then, day. Boom, and baby. A baby. Yes, a baby came out. So I oh. I mean, I've, I really feel like I'm past that. Yeah. I feel like yeah. um, had I gotten pregnant when I wanted to, so much of my life, our life, my husband and I, like my family, everything that we've gotten to do and experience mm-hmm. and um would have never happened. Now, yeah. of course, I would have accepted the path I would have been on had I had For a baby. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. I can see the good that came from that. Yeah. Like that was that was a dark time for me, and it was mm-hmm. bad. And then once I was able to, um, you know, push through it, mm-hmm. I can now look back and I'm thankful for how we grew, mm-hmm. um, and I can appreciate the hard times too, um, and know that I'm going to be better for it. And and I'm totally okay with. Yeah. Okay with how it's all worked out. Yeah. Well, I know that also, um, has it been two years since your mom passed away? Um, it's been a year and a half. A year and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that was um, something that I assume was probably one of the hardest things you've been through. And you talked about a lot on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember listening and feeling like you had kind of taken the listeners as much as you wanted them to. I mean, I'm sure there was a million things that they weren't invited into, but you kind of invited them into this journey with you, um, with your mom's journey through cancer and then her, her passing away and then grieving through that and then coming back to work. Um, how did that look for you as being someone who, Hey, I show up every day and I kind of put my life out there. And then all of a sudden there's something really hard, but yet you continue to kind of put that out there. Um, yeah. Did you ever I, think about, I don't want to talk about this. It, well, Bobby was always very, um, in tune with that. If I, if there was a day where maybe we thought about talking about it, if I just couldn't, we wouldn't. It, yeah. Trust me. There were those days where it just was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were days where he would sort of, Again, he tries to keep our show as organic as possible. So Which is awesome. I, I don't right. want to paint a weird picture that it was like we have this like long talk before, but it would I wouldn't always know where he was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would always just look at me and kind of say like, "Hey, you know, we're about to talk about this. Like, you good?" Mm-hmm. And I would say, "I'm good." And then some days I would lose it on air, which I think is fine cuz it, it it takes it back to that we're trying to relate. I'm only sharing it. I'm not sharing it so people will be like, "Oh, Amy, your mom gets cancer. I feel so mm. bad for her. No, it's almost like, you know, to instead of coming on and just doing Hollywood gossip mm-hmm. and this is the fun stuff and let's play a game, it's like we also have a duty to connect with our listeners on another level and let them know that they're not alone. And yeah. that's one thing I've always felt drawn to, whether it is the fertility stuff or it is adoption or it is, you know, being married to someone in the military is like, you're not alone. And mm. so for me, when my mom got cancer, it was like, okay, everybody's been affected by cancer in one way or another. Right. And, and me personally, I know that that's, that's a common saying and it's true, mm-hmm. but you may not be super duper duper close with someone that has had yeah. cancer. Mm-hmm. And for me, I had never been super duper close. Yeah. So to have someone like your mom, um, go through that, it, it just would have been weird for me not to share bits and pieces. Now, had my mom been Ash, opposed to it, uh-huh. we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have done it, but mm-hmm. she was okay with it because she wanted something good to come from it. And if it was bringing comfort to others that were going through it or, um, being able to share mm-hmm. that she was getting through it 
because the joy of the Lord is her strength, mm-hmm. Nehemiah 8.10. And mm-hmm. she would even sometimes write things that I would share on air and we would share scripture and she would share where her strength was coming from. And I think that had that been, you know, denied mm-hmm. or someone said like, oh, you can't really approach it that way, then she probably wouldn't have allowed yeah. me to be so yeah. open with other mm-hmm. things. But um but she was she was okay with it. And that that sort of gave me permission to be open and, and vulnerable know about that. This is yeah. the big picture. Right. Yeah. This is bigger than just, you know, me and you my and sister. The sh- exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you told me that you, you, you're super close with your mom and your sister. Um, and yes. you mm-hmm. practically just the three of y'all were kind of together for a long time. Is yeah. that right? And then you said mm-hmm. you moved back in with her. Like you, this is not like, I mean, it was just you, your sister and your mom for so many years. Yeah. My dad moved out when I was eight years old and it was us three. And I would say probably in my later years, we got even more close probably, you know, 20, 22, probably out of college. After we I, start being like jerks to our parents. Yes. 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 Yep. I was definitely a big fat jerk for a uh-huh. long time. And, and yeah, she was my best friend. Like I would say, I, I, if anybody asked, it'd be like, my mom and my sister are my best friends. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I still catch myself like saying my mom and my sister, which I guess that's still okay. For sure. Uh-huh. But it is weird to know that, okay, shoot, well, no, my mom's not here anymore. Or yeah. it is hard to have those moments where it's, like she's the person I would call mm. about whatever. Yeah. Um, like say there's a work issue and I just want to call and talk to my mom and be able to vent to her. And, and I can't, I can't do yeah. that anymore. So it makes me wish I would have done it. Yeah. You know, more when she was around, although she probably wouldn't agree because she was a working woman and I would always bother her during her work day. And she would always be like, <laughs> I have got to go. I have work. stuff to do, Amy. You need to get <laughs> <And> this later. <laughs> I know. I'm like, but mom, this is a real issue. <laughs> right. Um, so your dad left when you were eight. Did your mom ever remarry? She did not. No. And she, so what was uh, their relationship like? Well, my dad left for another woman and um, he ended up marrying her and they were married for, they were together uh, like 22 years, like mm-hmm. uh, w- well into my married life. Okay. It wasn't until recently they got divorced. She was never really a stepmom to me though. She was always kind of like my dad's wife, like legit since they divorced, like I haven't talked to her and she's been in my life since I was eight. But it wasn't weird. like this like fun personal stepmom relationship. Not, not really. And I mean, she was nice, I guess, you know, like I, di- I didn't think we had this awful relationship, but she definitely like once they were done, it was like peace. I was now- like, okay. I'm like, who in my life have I, has been in my life since I was eight years old and I haven't spoken to right. in the last five years? It's weird. So um, so I, def- I sort of had a stepmom, I guess you could say, but not really. But so my sister and I lived with my mom and she never dated, never got remarried. She sort of <laughs> – I'm about to really – without get, telling too much because we could be here all day with mm-hmm. this drama. But like my dad left when I was eight, but my parents weren't legally divorced till I was 18. Oh my gosh. And that's right. crazy. Like mm-hmm. just no one would sign the papers? Well, it's none of my I think business. There was some financial. Okay. Okay. I don't, um, it's, it's none yeah. of my business. That's it's just not, crazy. I don't mind sharing it, but there was definitely a strategy. Um, it was like, cause I think when I turned 18, there was like, then you wouldn't have to pay. Like, oh. I, trust me. I don't know. Whatever. If yeah. my dad could finagle 
money, he d- he would. Okay. Um. So I don't know. My mom just always thought, okay, well, if we're not officially divorced yet, I will. I'll take him back. Like I get where uh. she she's not blaming herself. She never blamed herself for the affair of my dad leaving ever. Uh-huh. But she was smart enough to realize where she failed as a wife uh-huh. and and where my dad failed as a husband. For sure. We, we all. We all we all fail. Mm-hmm. Like it's, that's a given, but she knows where she was pretty awful. And when she shared some of that, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, you, yeah, you're kind of awful. <laughs> um, but that but was, she was like, I'm, I will, you can come home whenever she was like that mentality. Right. Not, not all the time. It, and it wasn't really until she, I saw a shift in my mom. And this is one of those cases where you see someone like really, when they really go after their relationship with the Lord, they, mm-hmm. they do a 180. And my mom wasn't like totally obnoxious about it, maybe a little bit, but, but, but it's because she had to like pour herself into that to survive. Okay. Um, but I remember her, and this is one of the best memories my sister and I have of our mom. And we talk about it now. I don't know that we talked about it much, um, then, but we both have images of my mom on her knees Mm. and um, whether it was like on our living room couch or she had her closet, she would go into her closet and it was kind of like, if you knew she was in there, you knew she was um, praying. And now I know too, that she was probably in there praying and crying Mm. because I never, I never saw my mom cry Mm. ever. And you know, you would think like having your dad leave, you would see that. Yeah. But I never did. Like she's the strongest woman I, I know. Yeah. Um, and she never did. And she never talked, talked bad about my dad. Um, not once did I ever hear her. But I went from seeing a woman that would like, um, was kind of just not nasty, but mm-hmm. she was definitely a different mom. Like, before my dad left, I went from someone that she would curse at me if I missed the bus mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to a mom that would be like, I love you. I'm sorry you missed the bus. Like, let me take mm-hmm. you. You know, like you remember that difference. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus changed her heart for wow. sure. Uh-huh. So she, along with that heart change came, you know what? I know that what your dad did was wrong. And I'm not saying this is the right advice for any woman yeah. by any means, but she was willing to give it another go. Mm. And she was willing to take him back if he wanted to come back. And, um, he never, he never did. Um, when they got divorced at 18, he immediately, like basically the next day married the woman he'd been mm-hmm. with living the last 10 years. And then, um, and then their relationship was always good. Again, like I said, my mom never spoke ill of him and, you know, they would always, they were always amicable. Family events were fine. My mom always treated my dad's wife with respect. And um, and then the last few years, ever since my dad got a divorce, he had been around a lot more, like way more. Mm. And even tried to start ma- kind of dating my mom. It was <laughs> so weird. Like we we're like, what is happening? Was your mom down for that? Well, at this point, she was like maybe a year or more in the cancer. And mm-hmm. she's like, I'm a little busy. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't have time for this. Like what? You right. Know? Right. And, and I somewhat agree, but my sister and I would be giddy about it. There was one Christmas party that one of our family friends had. And I remember posting a picture on Instagram. I even scrolled through it the other day and it, we were like, we're here at this Christmas party and both our parents are here like on a date. Like my dad picked her up. Oh my gosh. 
Um, but, but even then she was just really not feeling it. And yeah. again, I, my dad is someone that could just never be alone. He's been married four times mm-hmm. and he's older now. And he kind of just realized, oh shoot, like I'm, I'm yeah. old now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to get, he always married younger women. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's just a different phase. Like, so then he kind of knew maybe my mom would be there for him. Yeah. But then she decided she, she just really shared with my sister and, and me that if he would acknowledge, she had forgiven him a long time ago. So she didn't really, it wasn't about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. It was, she wanted him to acknowledge what he did was, was wrong and just say, you know, sorry. But again, I feel like that's, I don't want people to associate there. Well, she should have forgiven him and let that go, but she just wanted acknowledgement, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, he never could get that. And so she, that's why she wouldn't pursue dating him. Also, again, she was a little busy, but he really stepped up in a lot of times because my sister and I, my mom's a point we were living, she was living in Austin. I'm in Nashville. And then my sister is in Austin with four kids and all my mom's doctors are in Houston. So a lot of times she couldn't drive. And it was so sweet sometimes to see my dad call and say, Hey, I heard your mom needs a ride to the appointment. He's like, I'm going to take her. Mm. And I was just like, what is this life? Like, yeah, you like, this is awesome because no, not a lot of people have their ex husband Mm -hmm. taking them to for sure doctor's appointments or kids. Like for me and my sister, even though we're adults, like to them, like that were their kids. And like for us to see them handle that in such a way was so, Mm. um, priceless. And then, um, leaving, Obviously, he was super duper involved, and my mom was admitted to the Christopher House, which is the hospice Austin, like hospital in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not they're not looking to treat you, but they're going to make it as comfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. Which they kind of told us we'd be in and out of there. It was weird. We knew the end days were coming, but we didn't know if we had six months or a year or right. what. And at that point, little did I know we had less than a week. Oh gosh. It went uh, that fast. It was super fast. Like it was Mm. painfully fast. Mm. And, um, my dad was there for all of it. It was crazy because my dad would show up. He would make sure my sister and I had food and what I need. And, um, the night before, and again, we didn't know she was going to lose consciousness at Mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. And the night before she did, she was starting to act really funny. Um, like, saying weird things and being real loopy, mm-hmm. um, but funny. I mean, it was fun. I mean, yeah. we, were laughing. we were like, mom, but I didn't know that was part of the process. Yeah. Like that's just sort of what starts to happen. And they give you a little pamphlet, but I was sort of in denial. I'm like, oh, she's just being awesome right now. Right. Um, but again, still, we didn't know. And it's not why it happened, but um, my dad was there and we saw me and my sister were in the room and he kind of just went over and he was leaving for the night. So he was saying bye to her and he was brushing her hair back and she, she had, she's got beautiful curly hair, but at this point it was just like this mess of a little, you know, fro situation and barely any of it there. And he's like brushing her hair back and he just, she's engaged. They're having a conversation. I know she was very aware of mm-hmm. what happened. Um, but he right then and there, asked for forgiveness for what he did um, when I was eight years old (laughs) in 1990. Yeah, basically. And you and your sister are there. Yeah. And we were not in the conversation. We could not hear everything that was happening. Um, 
but we knew it. And of course we are, you know, bawling, crying. Cause right. we could just feel it. Like it was just like, yeah. what is, it? because we knew uh-huh. for like 25 years, my mom had just been waiting to hear that. And I hate that it was then. on her bed. But again, at that point, we really didn't know what tomorrow was bringing. She died the next day. It wasn't, no, it wasn't the next day, but the next day she, um, we had to knock her out to do a, um, we were going to do a, uh, a catheter mm-hmm. because taking her to the restroom was just getting yeah super painful. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're having to carry her and I couldn't, there was one moment where actually that next morning, um, cause we would spend the night there. I'd taken, a, I'm off the show at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that morning I, I spent the night at the Christopher house and got up and she needed to go to the bathroom and I couldn't like get her up and she, and then, and then, and then the way you would carry her, she would just scream in agony. Mm. Everything hurt. Mm-hmm. And so then I would just, I would scream and I'd be like, mom, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm not trying to hurt you. But, and then she would just use the restroom right there. I mean, oh, it just got, yeah. like, she would be embarrassed and then, um, it was just not fun. So mm-hmm. then the nurse decided, okay, we've got to do a catheter. But uh, is your podcast – are people listening primarily female? Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. How – What man, what man would listen to this? Okay. Well, if you're a man listening, I don't know. I just feel like I need to say this because, I, again, I was talking about how strong my mom is. And say I'm it. never going to really say this out loud to a group of women. I mean like this. I, I don't know. And if it's too much, like you can just say. So my mom's – had went from a- anal cancer, mm-hmm. which d- we don't really know what that's all about at all. Yeah. Uh, but it does happen. It's what Farrah Fawcett had. That's what my mom would prefer to say. Um, she'd be like, <laughs> "It's what Farrah, Farrah Fawcett, Fawcett cancer." Yeah. All of a sudden, that made it way better. Right, right. Who wants to say they have anal cancer? Nobody wants to say that, right? Well, and there's no fun runs for anal cancer. My <laughs> sister, we had all kinds of jokes. Like we were like, we could have T-shirts and they could be brown and. It's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. You have to laugh. Yeah. So she went from anal spread to the liver and then from the liver, um, you know, they took care of the anal. It's gone. They took Mm -hmm. care of the liver. It's gone. And then the next place it showed up was, um, they on the skin. So this, the, it's like epidermis, Mm -hmm. like once it gets to that phase, it's, it's untreatable. Like they don't really, it's coming out of your skin. They don't know how to stop it. Mm-hmm. So normally you are used to seeing tumors on the inside and there you're kind of like, Oh, okay. There's a dot on a scan. Right. Right. Um, well, um, my mom's dermis, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. There's all these fancy words. And she was a part of all kinds of clinical trials at MD Anderson because they just, there's just, there was just no way to really cure it. And they're trying to find a cure, but hers happened to be on her vagina. And, um, the skin cancer, the, the external tumors were started on her vagina. There's no fun run for that either. No. And I will say this. Um, so like the first, the, the first little spot was about the size of like maybe your pinky nail or smaller, Mm -hmm. like really Mm -hmm. small. And she was like, huh, what's this? You know? Mm. So then, um, it started to grow a little bit more, a little bit more. And then, we went just for a checkup, um, and one doctor was like, oh, I'm not really concerned about it. We'll see. Well, then we went to one of her other doctors, and the minute she saw it, she looked at it. I mean, she she just looked and said, I'm so sorry. She's like, this is this is not good. Like, 
And basically, mm. now looking back on it, she was basically looking at us saying, "There's, I have nothing for There's you. Nothing but, I can do. But I'm going to offer you this. Well, anyway, I'm kind of going, I tend to like go off on rabbit trails. Sorry. But back to the vagina. Mm-hmm. Um, it got, it grew and grew and grew and grew as tumors do. But this is all, again, external. Like, if I was her and she walked and so she, she had would, tumors all over her outside of her body? Yes. In between oh. her legs oh. on her vagina. <laughs> like, oh. I just have to reiterate that because it's the most painful thing you've ever – I mean, I'm sure there's more painful things. But it, to me at the time – for me, it's the most painful thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And um, we would have to – they got so big that, like, I don't even know how she was walking. Right. I would tell her. I'd be like, Mom, high five. Like, if I were you right now, I'd be wearing a sign that said, like <laughs> – High five me because I am walking around and not complaining and I have tumors in my vagina that are bleeding because my legs are – I mean, it was like – it was disgustingly horrible and I apologize to anybody that's listening, but it, this is just real talk right now. Right. It was the scariest, most horrific thing that my eyeballs have ever had to deal with mm. and again, we would have to like see it and medicate it and deal with it. So anyway, catheter long – back to That's when, why they had to put her under. Well, they had to put her under, yes, because, because normally you don't have to put anyone under no. for a catheter. That's she had tumors. Not only were they externally there, but internally, right inside, oh where you would insert, gosh. and then in the bladder area. So when they they knew inserting it would cause her so much pain, yeah. that they would have to knock her out. Well, what they didn't know is when they knocked her out, we weren't going to get her back, oh. and um, and we didn't know that either, and. Obviously, I don't think we would have changed our decision because clearly we were within days of losing her. Mm-hmm. But had I known that, like, knocking her out, she may never go back, like, I would have talked with her more that morning. Mm-hmm. I remember I had to be somewhere. Actually, I had to be at the church for counseling. My sister and I were meeting with her pastor at mm-hmm. um, at Austin Bridge for, like, because we counseling on how to deal with losing your parent. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally it was scheduled for that morning and I was going to be late and that was that morning also I had tried to get her up to help her use the bathroom and Mm -hmm. she was yelling at me and I I just remember kind of yelling back like I'm not trying to hurt you I'm just trying I'm trying to carry you and then that was almost our last conversation I kind of put her down and then my my relief came some family friends came to watch her while I went to this counseling Mm -hmm. and then when I got back from counseling she was knocked out and and she never and I never talked to her again and um she probably stayed that was that was Wednesday, and she died on the f- Monday morning. Mm. Um, but at that point, we took her to my sister's house. Christopher House wanted us to keep her there until she passed, but the day before when she was totally talking, she was like, "Get me home, I want to be home." Mm. She thought the Christopher House was wonderful, and everybody was great, but she just wanted to be at yeah. my sister's house or her house, so yeah. we had her. We moved her by ambulance to my sister's house and basically set up hospice there. And family and friends came over, like, carloads at a time. Like, there was at one point we had probably 40 people in my sister's bedroom gathered around my mom. We were singing praise and worship songs and just, like, loving life. And the worship leader for my sister's church barely knew my mom. And he was singing some of her favorite hymns. He just showed up because he's obviously friends with my sister. Mm-hmm. And um, she uh, – we were not in the room to witness this, but he was in there and my sister's neighbor was in the room. And um, 
my mom had not said a thing, had not moved, nothing. But they, hospice told us she can hear everything. Mm. Keep talking to her. Keep singing to her. She knows. But she's just not there. She can't respond. Well, he leaned, everybody left the room after worship and he leaned in and said like, it was so nice worshiping with you today. I'll see you in heaven. And she said to him, God bless you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, if it, honestly, like if I'd be like, okay, all right. You know? <laughs> right. But, I mean, why would he, why would why, he lie? Why would he lie? Right. I mean, major props to you. If you have the guts to lie about something like that. Yeah. For one. And for two, and that's three words. It's not like, I think I might've heard a mumble. Like, that right. was like a clear like thing. It was clear. Like it was some of the, I mean, he, even he was like emotional about it. Like it was no joke. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he, he was totally taken aback by yeah. it. And, mm-hmm. and my, but my sister's neighbor, Kristen uh, was in the room as well. So it's, it's, we had a witness. Like, right. It, 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 so it's one of those things where I was just like, oh my gosh. So I guess I share this story also to say, like if your parents or anybody you know is ever in that situation, don't just treat them like they're not there. Mm. Like do yeah. the things you know they would want to be doing. And for my mom, we knew she would want to be singing. So knowing that, because you just said, you know, had I known that they were going to do this procedure and then we would never get her back again. And you said, I wish I would have had a conversation with her. Knowing what they were telling you, did you continue? Do you, do you feel as though you got to say what you wanted to say? Yeah, there were, I mean, well, I guess by have a conversation with her, I just wish I could have heard more from her. Yeah. Like there's questions I would have asked that I want the answers to. Like, where's your cheesecake recipe? Yeah. You know, like, where'd you hide it? Mm. Like we need to know. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, obviously more, more things on a deeper level than that. But we definitely, my sister and I laid with her hours and hours. We, I mean, she was on a tiny little hospital bed in my sister's room and we, my, my sister would be on the left and I would be on the right. Mm. And honestly, that's exactly how we were when she passed. Um, and we laid with her, like, this is probably going to sound creepy, but probably for like an hour or more after she died. Yeah. Um, finally, the little, I don't know, mortician people, mm-hmm. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> yeah. They showed up to get her and they were kind of like, okay, it's time to go. And we're yeah. like, not done laying with her. <laughs> Man, I'm just, I'm so grateful when people come on here and like share these um, vulnerable moments because the truth of the matter is that we're all going to walk through this. I mean, unless I tragically die today, but, or in the next 10 years before, you know, I might walk through this with my parents or with my husband, you know what I mean? It's like death is upon all of us, you know, right. it just is. Um, and so to hear you talk about the struggles and the hardships, but also the joy in the midst of that and the faith that your mom had, and I know that you have as well. It's very encouraging and very almost like, what the Bible says, like we can face this because of what we know, you know, and the truth that we have to stand on. And so thanks for sharing that with us. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night, student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. 
No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey guys, before I get back into this conversation with Amy, I wanted to talk to you about my newsletter. If you haven't noticed, the happy hour has had a lot of things going on recently. We have new happy hour swag, live events, and I've even been representing the show on some other podcasts that you'll love. With all this stuff going on, I wanted to create a space to communicate with you all more concisely than just from episode to episode. And that's why I have my happy hour newsletter. I really do want you guys to know when exciting new things are just around the corner. So to sign up, it's super easy. Go to jamieivy.com slash newsletter. You're going to get yourself on the list and you're going to find out everything before non-subscribers do. For instance, we have a live event coming up in September and I'm going to talk about this in my newsletter and I'm going to tell the newsletter people when tickets go on sale first. So if you want a front row seat to all things happy hour, just go to jamieivy.com slash newsletter and sign up. All right, guys, back to the show. Um, Okay, so this is the most awkward transition I've ever made from that, but now I would like to know three things that you're loving um, and what you're reading is what I want to know because I ask all my guests that and I always love to hear um, what you're loving and what you're reading. So what are you loving and what are you reading? Okay, so what I'm loving is the Clue app. Have you heard of it? No, I have not. Okay, well, every woman and maybe even husband for that matter needs to download the Clue app because it's like it's a um, a PMS tracker oh. and you enter in and it takes a few months for your, your app to get to know you, but okay. like say two days before your PMS starts, like you can even, you can type in what you want it to say to you. But mm-hmm. like for me, I'll get a text message. It'll say dark days are upon us. Are you serious? Because yeah. Cause I'll know, like I'm about to turn into a psycho or something, or Do I'm you about turn to into a psycho. I sort of cry a lot mm. and I'm super emotional. And I, I eat a lot. Snippy. Oh, and I eat a lot. It even, there's a thing, there's one of the questions is like, what have you been craving today? And it's like carbs, salty, chocolate, Mm. or something else. And I like click them all. I'm like, everything. everything. (laughs) I would eat everything. I literally get to where I will eat like seven meals in a day. And I don't know what happened. Like literally I, last month, Aaron was out of town, which that doesn't help. And I was so hungry. And I made these freezer little pot thing what I don't know I don't, I'm trying to say they're like pot stickers you know like the Chinese yes, yeah, okay yeah. so from the freezer from Trader Joe's the bag had nine servings Amy I ate them all in one night yeah. nine I, servings yeah. yeah nine yeah okay I mean, so the clue app for like like you know a five-year-old yeah maybe. right <laughs> clearly so clearly send me a message that says Jamie you're about to want to eat everything in sight don't right so go ahead and like maybe not have everything in sight mm. in your house like it, it's a it's definitely a planner um, so I'm just loving it. My friend told me about it and I love that I can load it up and you can know, like maybe you're even trying to get pregnant. You can know your fertile window. Mm. Um, but it's got these cute little clouds when you're going to be PMSing and I just, okay, I just, I just mainly look for the clouds. So I'm loving <laughs> the Clue app. It's C-L-U-E. And then, um, another thing that I love and I'm sort of known for being obsessed with is glowing green smoothies. Okay. I was hoping we got to talk about it. So tell me more. Yeah. So Kimberly Snyder is the uh, genius behind the glowing green smoothie. And so all you have to do is, is Google, Google that. Yeah, I even find it up on my blog or if you Google glowing green smoothie, Kimberly Snyder, you'll, you'll find it. But, um, she has a normal version and a low sugar version. Both are equally great. 
Um, and I just find it to be the, the, I started doing it probably about five years ago and it's changed my life. Like hot lemon water every morning is another thing she recommends, which I do. It's the first thing I can tell me why it's changed your life. Um, well, my eating habits in general, I, I mean, without getting into like, I read her whole book, mm-hmm. which is the beauty detox solution. So at that point I used to eat tons of meat. Um, I would say I'm like 90% vegan. And the only reason why there's that 10% in there is because sometimes I crave a hamburger, not going to lie. And you eat it. And I eat it. Okay. Um, cause mine's not really about the animal issues mm-hmm. or anything like yeah. that. Uh-huh. Just more, I feel like I function better when I'm eating a vegan lifestyle. My skin is better. I feel better. Um, my body changed when I started eating this way. Um, when I first started the Bobby Bone Show, I was easily 20 to 25 pounds heavier. Really? And the only two things that I changed, I started doing yoga and then I changed my eating. Um, and then, so yeah, I would say if I'm at someone's home and they've got like cheese on something, I'm not going to throw make a big deal. Right. I don't eat cheese. I'm vegan. Um, so I would say I'm this like weird vegetarian vegan person that may eat mm-hmm. cheese or a hamburger from time to time. I get it. I get it. But, I um, used, we used, we were vegetarians for like six years, except for I would eat Chick Fil A. Yeah. Oh, girl, <laughs> number three, no pickle. Right. That's the exception to the rule. I called it the um, Christian chicken. So I'm like, surely there's nothing wrong with this, right? Right. Exactly. Okay. So your glowing green smoothie. I've tried this before, and it actually tastes fabulous. Like we are a smoothie loving family around here. Do you make a big batch, or do you do this every morning? Because it's a lot uh, of work. No, I make a huge batch. Sometimes I even do a double batch and I can get about three servings out of one batch Uh and that'll, and it's good in your fridge for three to four days. So that'll last me three days. Um, and then if I do a double batch, I'll stick some in the freezer and then the night before I throw it in my fridge and then like the hot lemon water first thing and then leading into the glowing green smoothie for breakfast and then following a lot of her other stuff. That's why I say, I guess it changed my life is because it changed my whole eating routine. And when my day starts out that way, I'm less likely to deviate ah. unless of course my clouds have shown up on my clue. Right. <laughs> then, then, then all... I'm having like Reese's cups for breakfast. <laughs> exactly. Like, now do you I drink don't... coffee? I do. I love coffee. Um, I've had to really scale it back. Sometimes I substitute with tea, but I do coffee and I do it. I do it black. Like I used to I be huge into too, yeah. creamer mm-hmm. and the, um, all the yummy vanilla flavorings yeah. and stuff. But again, if you read Kimberly's book, she'll go. talk you out of that big time. And so every once in a while, that'll be like a treat for me if yeah. I add creamer. But uh-huh. um, maybe I'll try to get like an or some weird organic coconut milk vanilla creamer or something. Yeah. But um, again, I still look at that as like a treat because I know how much better I, if I think back then I didn't know how good I could feel. Right. And then once I lost some of the weight and then I saw my energy shift and I knew I, I know how good it feels. Mm-hmm. It's harder for me to want to go back. Yeah. You know, I need to get back on this because I, for me, for breakfast, I'm either, I'm either one or two things. I'm either no breakfast or I want eggs and bacon. Like there's no bagel. There's no cereal. There's no, I either want one or the other. And so eggs and bacon is not convenient. So right. then a lot of times I find myself, you know, just get, take the kids to school and then straight to work. And then it gets to be 1030. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. And then I'll just eat anything. Right. Yeah. I so mean, the smoothie is good if you have it made. Yeah. 
And I think that that's what, they can be intimidating at first, I'm not going to lie. But then once you get it down, like you'll whip it out like no other. And then if you have to plan ahead, like I said, you can do the freezer thing. And then honestly, this is going to sound super boring and totally like, you know, weirdo. But I, sometimes I don't have time at all. And I, I know that I want to stay on my register. Like say I've been doing good all week. Mm-hmm. I will put spinach in a baggie and I will drink my hot lemon water and I will run out the door to work. And I will literally basically make a smoothie in my mouth. Like I'll have a green apple <laughs> and some spinach and I'll chomp it up like, oh, this smoothie is amazing. Um, That's the first thing I've heard all day. You said, I'll just make a smoothie in my mouth. Yeah. So it's sort I of sad it. and depressing, but you know what? I feel better. Okay. Before I hear your third thing, the hot water and lemon. This is just hot water with lemon squeezed in it? Yes. So um, Kimberly says, <laughs> I feel like a psycho sometimes when I'm talking about anything because I'm like, well, Kimberly. No, I love it. Kimberly says, uh, yes, you need to do this like right away before coffee, before anything. Um, you do half of a lemon. Uh-huh organic if you can if not no biggie uh-huh. but maybe but wash the lemon well okay and then um squeeze it in the water and then not boiling hot water because you don't want to kill some of the enzymes in okay. the lemon mm-hmm. and then um yeah have about eight ounces of the hot water added to it and then uh, recently I've really been up in my game and I started to add slices of fresh ginger mm. and cayenne pepper I've heard a lot of good things about cayenne pepper. Um, yes. So uh, both of those uh, are hot, so can be good for speeding up the metabolism, mm-hmm. but also immunity building and full of antioxidants as well. Um, so, yeah. Love it. I, it's like a spicy kick for sure, but that'll wake you up. Like, yeah, that'll get you going. Yes. I'm like, okay, bring on the day. Ready to go. This. Yep, exactly. Okay, what's the third thing you're loving? Um, third thing, well, I was going to say scandal cause I'm obsessed with Olivia Pope, but right. then I was like, you know, I kind of just need to look somewhat, you know, <laughs> like an awesome Christian here. And Whatever. I will say, I watch scandal. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, I'm not opposed to saying yeah. scandal. But I want to make my third thing sort of, um, a, really something to share that uh-huh. was a gift to me for my sister that I love. And I've ended up giving it to girlfriends, but it's, um, savor by, uh, Shauna Nyquist. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's 365 devotions. And I mean, it's a big old fat book, but and it's it, but beautiful. It, it's beautiful. It's a pretty say, book. It's pretty. And that's why I think it makes it the perfect gift mm. because it's almost like you could just slap a bow on it and give it to a friend and write a cute little note on the inside and boom, you're done. And then also you have a friend that can be going through it with you at the same time. Mm. Um, because you know you're going to do one a day like you're supposed to. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. All 365. Yep. Bro. Have you read any of her other books? No, but my sister has. My sister is obsessed with her. I love that. I've She's been on the show before as well. and she's Really? Just, uh-huh. Yep. And she's great. But my favorite book of hers is called Bittersweet. Uh-huh. Yes. I think that you would really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bread and Wine. Am I saying that right? Oh, yes, you are. Yep. My sister is obsessed with it. And get this one time. And we still don't even know where it came from. A bread and wine package was delivered, like, with a note from Shauna, like, to my sister's porch. And we don't know if it's, like, a joke from one of her friends that, like, knows my sister is obsessed with Shauna. <laughs> because how would Shauna ever even, like, know? Wait, was it from – did she, like, sign her name? Yeah, I think my sister still has, like, the post-it note or whatever. Well, maybe someone told her. They're, I don't know. 
it seems weird because how would she know the address? I don't know. I just feel like my sister got punked a little bit, but to no, this day, that's so freaks out. She's like, yeah, Shauna sent me bread and wine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, yes. I, I think honestly, um, I ordered another book. I was just looking at my bookshelf here because I know I ordered one of her other ones and I'm not sure if it's bittersweet. So hearing you say that that's one of your favorites. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those things where you, sometimes I get on Amazon and I start ordering stuff. Oh, for sure. And, Hello. Then, I'm, and then I just never really have read it yet. And so I'm trying to find what Shauna book I ordered. And I think maybe it was bittersweet. So now that you've said that, I'm going to dig it up and I'm going to read it. Finally. You'll really like it. It's yeah. One of my favorite Shauna books. So what yeah. are you reading right now? Besides, So, um, I am reading Robin Roberts. Everybody's got something. Oh, and I'm sort of got this weird, I don't know, obsession with Robin Roberts. I just think she's super cool. I but, do too. And I always told Bobby, um, the host of my radio show, mm-hmm. like he is, he has a book coming out. Actually, Next week, this is airing in May. So like May, 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 May. I've got my calendar out. I don't want to get it wrong. May 17th, his book comes out. Like the and week after this. Okay, yeah. So uh-huh. and he's doing like a little book tour. And I think he's going to be on the Today Show. And I, right, <gasps> told me that. I called him and I was like, listen, if you get on Good Morning America, you have to take me with me. Like end of story. Like I have to meet Robin Roberts. Like, yeah, I just, hands down. Has to happen. So, um, but this book, I'll just, the quote from the back that I just love is, She said, in Mississippi, where I'm from, there's an understanding that hard times do not discriminate. My mother used to say, everybody's got something. This is the story of my something and my road to something better. So um, it's just, so far, it's been great to just get a peek inside Mm -hmm. of of her life. She also has uh, suffered the loss of a mother, Mm -hmm. um, you know, returning to GMA after her medical leave. Yeah. I was going to say, she's kind of had her, some of her um, struggles in the public eye, yes, you know, she, she brought that to her show as well. And I just feel like she handled it with such grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so. Awesome. I'm currently reading. Love uh, it. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing all this. Thank you for having me. It was I'm long so, overdue. I know. And, and if- I'm so glad that our paths crossed, you know, years ago and here we are. Yeah, for sure. And I guess if any of your other podcast people ever have you know, poopy diapers or sick children, you can always call me as a backup. (laughs) There you go. There you go. You're back on the show for sure. Um, Amy, thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you, Jamie. Guys, wasn't that a great chat with Amy? I'm super honored by her vulnerability and I loved getting her wisdom and perspective. She's an inspiration and I'm so thankful that we were able to have her on the show. Guys, I want to share with you real quick about a a podcast that I'm loving and it's called Story Team. These are from my friends over at the Austin Stone Community Church, which is where I go to church. And it's a community of artists who tell honest and encouraging stories of lives that have been transformed by the gospel. They just launched this new project called the Story Team Weekly Podcast. And you can actually listen to a new audio story every single week. I was honored to work with some of the story team narrators to record a few of the stories with them. In fact, this past Sunday, the show they released is called What Now? About a family walking through cancer. And it was really, really exciting and honoring for me to be able to tell that story. So please go subscribe to the Story Team Weekly Podcast and rate them on iTunes, all that kind of jazz. Go to storyteam.org slash weekly. Those are my friends. Show them some love. Guys, remember, everything we chatted about is going to be up on my website, jamieivy.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and share with me something that you love from this episode. We can all come up with a thousand things that we loved from listening to Amy and I chat. 
Today's show is edited by Knox McCoy, and the music is from Jason Poe. This Friday on the Happy Half Hour, as I told you, Jessica Turner's back on the show. And if you missed her the first time, go back and listen to episode 30 before she comes on Friday. Next week is my guest, Elise Fitzpatrick, Elise's mom to Jessica Thompson, who's been on the show before. She's an author, plus she's uh, part of the Front Porch with the Fitzies podcast that I keep going back to for more and more laughs each week. So basically, I've just told you about three shows that I think you should love. Mine, The Happy Hour, huh? Story Team Weekly, and then Front Porch with the Fitzies. Check them out. So guys, enjoy your week, share the show with a girlfriend, and have a happy hour with a friend. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.